Welcome in to the BetUS College Football Show. It is Bowl Preview Part 4. We are going from December 28th all the way through Wednesday, December 29th. That's right. Next week, there are a ton of games going on and a lot of very interesting matchups that we are going to discuss momentarily. Before we do that, I am your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE. Now, let me introduce the experts, the guys that really know what they're talking about. On the right side of your screen, Kyle Hunter. You can follow him on Twitter at Kyle Hunter Picks. Uh, he's our professional, award-winning handicapper. Kyle, uh, we watched Army and Missouri last night in, at, could we call it a classic? I guess it, it was very interesting, but uh, that's the way that bowl season goes. We had no idea what to expect from Missouri last night, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I wish we would have been on the right side of the, the cash and a ticket there last night, but... Uh, I don't like to root against Army, even if uh, if it's uh, against my bet. You know, a lot of times if if I lay points and that team's not going to win, I want them to lose outright. But I like to root for Army and the military schools. Uh, you know, I think Cook looked pretty good for Missouri. I don't know if it was the Army defense or if, I mean, he has some pretty good wheels as well. So uh, probably a pretty good future quarterback there for Missouri. But Army wins at the at the end, and I know. Parker tweeted about this. The the one play last night that that got me to shout out was when they went for it on fourth down and called the pass. I love that. That was that was one of the more epic plays so far in bowl season. Oh, you've certainly got that right. You brought up Cook, the quarterback. Uh, news this morning, just about uh, an hour ago, I believe, Connor Basilak, the starting quarterback from Missouri the last two years, has entered the transfer portal. So maybe Cook looked so good that Basilak said. Eh, you know, maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll try somewhere else. So that does bring in Parker Fleming, of course, on the left side of your screen. You can follow him on Twitter at Stats of War. I call him the numerical guru. He's the numbers guy. He's the analyst. Uh, Parker, you know, fascinating game last night. It was uh, it was entertaining, if nothing else. What uh, what did you think about that? What do you think about this week's games? Yeah, man, that uh, that's uh, Jacoby Buchanan, the uh, fullback for Army, right there, six foot two sixty, average three point one yards per carry, but was all over the field. Gave me a little inspiration on my uh, on the treadmill this morning. I was like, yeah, big guys can big guys can move. I'm gonna I'm gonna run a little harder for uh, for Buchanan last night. That was that was a lot of fun. Um, that is the best of college football. There are people who actually believe that we need fewer bowl games, and I point to you to the random bowl game between Missouri and Army last night to say that's unequivocally a good thing. Um, I expect we've got a couple today, Gary. That have equal potential, if not more potential, to just be absolutely bonkers in the best way. So I'm excited to watch a bunch of these games, and I'm excited to talk about matchups. And again, I'm feeling pretty good about some of these plays. So um, yeah, let's get into it. Let's uh, let's certainly do. Hey, before we do that, any chance that we are switching Eckel rate to Buchanan rate? That is um, honestly, he's a junior. He needs one more season. So if he gets an <laughs> iconic moment next year, I will get him. I will get him in there. For those that don't know what we're talking for, about. Like, it, it, explain this. For Buchanan. <laughs> tell uh, them what Echo Ray is first. <laughs> Echo is, is the kind of quality possession metric I look at, and it's it's kind of like an alternative to time of possession, which I think is a garbage stat. Um, and, and so what it does is uh, – it's, it's just like, how often did you have a quality possession? Like, a you know, it measures drives. And I named it Echol after the fullback uh, on the Navy team. And I think the 2006 Emerald Bowl, they had a drive that lasted 16 minutes of game time. And he carried the ball like 19 times. So it's something ridiculous, absurd. So um, uh, Buchanan is definitely in the vein. They had, a, they had a lot of quality possessions last night. And uh, who knows, if he gets, a, he gets a big moment next year, we could, we could work in a stat uh, named after him for sure. Most certainly. All right, uh, let me go ahead and tell everybody you need to sign up over at BetUS. It is where the game begins. 
Uh, BetUS.com. Very easy to find. There is a link in the description. A lot of uh, bonuses and whatnot going on right now. So go ahead and check it out. BetUS.com. Make sure and click that link that's in the description. And since you're already digging through the description anyway, why not go ahead and like the video for us? We've got several people watching right now, uh, but we would like more of you to like the video. Click that thumbs up button and make sure that you are subscribed to the channel and hit that notification bell. That notification bell will let you know when we go live. It's Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, Thursdays at 12 p.m. Eastern Time, and uh, jump into the chat. But we, we would love to have plenty of questions towards the end of the show. We do a Q&A at the end of every show, and while we are going to hit every bowl game, there are certain things that are going on in the world of college football that we would freely give our opinions on if you would like to know it. Uh, but we'll let you guys ask whatever questions you have going forward. It's in the chat. And also, jump in the comments. We want to know your picks on these games. We absolutely love to hear your opinions, and sometimes you can sway us off of a game if we've got a lean one way or another. Uh, maybe you know more information than we do. We, uh, we've been diving through the games, but we would like to hear what you know and what you think about these games as well. Uh, before we get started with our recap and everything else, we do have a promotion that we want to go ahead and run right now. Let's get Danny to come in and tell you about the Bowl Picks Contest. It's December, school is finally out, and we're in that holiday spirit, and that means free content prizes, baby. Our School's Out contest will be open this December 17th, and all you gotta do is simply pick the winners for every college football ball game and guess the score for the championship game. The top three players with the most winners will get a free play. It's that simple. First place gets $2,000, second $1,000, and third $500. Now, who doesn't like some extra cash on the holidays? Pick the most bowl winners and come out on the top. Head over to BetUS.com to get full details. All right, so make sure that you go and get signed up for that contest over at BetUS.com. Again, link is in the description. Let's give you a recap of what we have done thus far on the season. Now, this does include bowl games, uh, so let's, uh, let's check this out. So far on the season, I am sitting at 52 wins, 46 losses, and four pushes. Kyle, 39 wins, 32 losses. Uh, if you include last night's loss with the, uh, the Army first half, that would be 39 and 33. Parker sitting at 55, 64, and three. Uh, he took Army yesterday, so that would actually be 55, 65, and three. Uh, overall, on the season, it shows uh, 146, 142, and seven on your screen. That is actually after last night's events, 146, 144, and seven. Uh, but I would fully expect after tonight's games, uh, that number will be going up. I, I don't anticipate any losses going forward for the rest of the bowl season. So <laughs> it's nice to say, right? Nice, nice to dream. Uh, I did tell you that I was going to bring up uh, the futures bets. If you include all of our futures bets, uh, we are sitting at 171, 161, and 7. That number sounds much better, much better. And, uh, honestly, those bets cash the same. So, let's go ahead and dive into the first game of today. And we are going to talk about the Birmingham Bowl. Houston taking on Auburn. And the Tigers are a 2.5-point favorite, uh, you could say, at home. Birmingham only about two hours away from Auburn, Alabama. Not too crazy. The total is 51 and a half. This will be at Protective Field, the new stadium in downtown Birmingham. Houston is 1 and 5 against the spread as a dog in their last six in that role. They are 0 and 4 against the spread in bowl games. Uh, Dana Holgerson 
it has not been the coach there for long, but uh, Dana Holgerson overall in his career has not been great in bowl games. However, Houston is 4-1 and one against the spread after a spread loss, and they certainly took a spread loss against Cincinnati in championship week. Now, on the other side, Auburn, 1-4 and four against the spread in their last five bowls. They are 2-5 and five against the number after a spread win, which they had at the end of the season against Alabama. Um, lots of... Uh, Lots of interesting going, uh, things going on around the Auburn program. Auburn fired their offensive coordinator, Mike Bobo. They have six different guys that are transferring. That includes uh, defensive end Caleb Johnson, uh, their offensive guard, Tayshawn Manning. They've got a safety, Ladarius Tennyson, that's out. Wide receiver, Elijah Canyon. Uh, Sean Shivers, the running back, is out. Of course, Bo Nix was already out. But they also have Roger McCreary, uh, Jacoby McClain, who's a, a starting linebacker, and the right tackle, Brodarius Ham that are not playing in the game because they're going to sit out and and prep for the NFL draft. Along with that, their starting center, Nick Brahms, is going to be out. So there is a lot that is going on around Auburn's program, and yet they are still a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, on Houston's side, their cornerback and star kick returner, Marcus Jones, has opted out. He is uh, prepping for the NFL draft as well. Uh, there's a lot that we could get into. Kyle, I want to start with you on this. Uh, Houston's strength of schedule this year, number 96. Auburn's is number two. Now, these are per ESPN. Um, I don't know what we can expect from Auburn. Uh, their offensive line was number 114 in stuff rate allowed uh, in the last however many weeks of the season. I'm trying to uh, – since week seven. So, I, I don't know what to make of it. Houston, number 15 in stuff rate. We don't know whether or not Tank Bigsby is going to play. Uh, there have been reports that he has not been at all of the practices. There was a report earlier in December he was going to transfer, and then he decided not to. Who knows which version of this Auburn team we are going to get. We talked about volatility yesterday. Uh, Kyle, do you have any any numbers, anything that you can point to uh, that might lead us in one direction or the other here? Well, I'm going to give you some numbers, but I'm going to let uh, you and Parker make the bets on this game. Um, you know, th this is this is one where it's hard to give a good reason to bet Auburn, but I also don't really want to bet Houston. Uh, Holgerson's 0-7 against the spread in his last seven bowl games. Uh, you know, his teams have taken some pretty bad losses in some of those games. I think the two strongest cases you can make for Auburn, number one, Holgerson's been so bad in the bowl games, uh, so a fade of him. And number two is uh, by Sagarin, the strength of schedule difference in this game is the biggest of any bowl game. Houston 112th and Auburn second. Uh, so massive strength of schedule difference. Uh, Houston's 15th in yards per play allowed. Auburn's 35th. Houston fourth in success rate allowed. So really good defense. They have given up some big plays. 115th in explosiveness allowed. Can Auburn hit them with some big plays? Probably not. I mean, I wouldn't expect that very often. Um, you know, like you said, the offensive line wasn't very good. Now they lose two of their starters. Um, I can't bet a side here. I would lean to the under, guys. You know, I think this would be an ugly game where the defenses probably have the upper hand. I don't think Toon's that good. I don't think they'll be able to just move the ball easily on Auburn. At the same time, I don't see Auburn scoring too much here. So I'm going to give a lean to the under in this game. I would, I would certainly lean the under if this thing actually gets to a total of 52. Yeah. Uh, I might go ahead and hit that thing. I don't like it being under that key number. But uh, this is a bad Auburn offense against uh, what appears to be a good Houston defense. But again, strength of schedule, we're not exactly sure how good that Houston defense actually is. Uh, Parker, you know I like to look at some of these other uh, stats that aren't exactly quantifiable when it comes to advanced metrics. Uh, turnover margin, Houston number 14, 
Auburn number 81 uh, penalty yards per game. Houston number 108, and Auburn is number 36. So Auburn a little more disciplined when it comes to that, but maybe not so when it comes to turning the football over. Uh, TJ Finley, you know, gets a whole couple of weeks of bowl practice. Uh, he is the guy. Bo Nix, of course, gone to uh, Oregon. I, I, I feel pretty good about Houston. This seems like a team that was a little bit embarrassed by the Cincinnati loss, and yet they've only got one guy that's opting out, and they appear to be fired up for this game. Uh, they are getting to play a name opponent. I think that, that matters for sure. I, I really like Houston plus the two and a half. I think that they are the better team, at least this version of it. Uh, but again, this is volatility and whatnot. I'm going to take my chances with Houston plus two and a half. But what are what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I like that a lot. I mean, I I, I looked back and, and and Dana Holgerson in bowl games, he's only played power five teams. So that might be um, something along that lines, too, of like they've been kind of slated up in, in sort of the bowl games. And that might explain some of the record here. Obviously, they are slated up against an SEC West team being an American athletic team. But I, I do like a lot from this um, from this Houston defense. I do think this Houston defense is 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 pretty legit. Um, ninth in EPA per play overall on defense, fifth against the pass, and thirteenth against the rush. Uh, obviously, Auburn is much more of a rushing team when they've had success. It's been um, stopping the run on defense. They're eleventh in EPA per rush on defense and rushing on offense. They're fortieth. Uh, uh, EPA per rush on offense um, and 47th in success rate. So the the run game will matter. One reason that I'm optimistic about Houston's defense here, you look at Houston versus Cincinnati, who is also a limited downfield, um, a lot like Auburn has been this season uh, in terms of their aerial attack. Against Houston, Cincinnati rushed 27 times. They averaged 8.1 yards per rush. So at first blush, you think, man, they got run over. Since he had a touchdown run of 79 and of 42 yards, outside of those two, Houston held Cincinnati to uh, under 100 yards on 25 rushes, uh, a 29.6% success rate. So their defense was pretty stout, even if they did give up uh, the big play there. So I'm, I'm optimistic that this defense will translate. Uh, I do think there's definitely kind of the motivation gap here. Um, and, you know, it, in terms of projecting what it's going to, what the effect of alignment being out is going to be um, all sorts of things. I think that if both teams were at full strength and motivation was even, uh, my adjusted stats still like Houston to keep this close. And so um, I'm, I'm going to go with the Cougars to to cover here. I like Clayton Toon. He's um, 57% on balls, 10-plus yards downfield. He's thrown 54 passes, 20-plus uh, yards downfield, one turnover play on all of them. So uh, potentially could, could, could test this Auburn secondary that is 79th in EPA per pass. Um, overall, both teams are, are kind of middle of the road in terms of early downs rush rate. So I expect this game to be, uh, I, don't, I don't see a, a big asymmetry in pace, even though I think Auburn's going to try and rush. Um, and so again, Houston's defense should be able to stifle Auburn. Um, and I think that their big play potential on offense is, is high enough that they'll, they'll definitely keep this close. You brought up 79th EPA per pass on defense. Uh, that is including cornerback Roger McCreary and safety yeah. uh, Tennyson. So who knows what to expect from from the guys that are backing them up, but I would imagine it will not be quite as efficient. So, yes, I like Houston. I'm going to sprinkle some on the money line here. Uh, it's an early game, you know, 12 p.m. Eastern time on uh, on Saturday, or excuse me, on Tuesday. But, yes, I like Houston as well. Let's make it official. Uh, Parker and I both riding with the Cougars plus two and a half over the Auburn Tigers. That will take us to another Tuesday game, the first Responder Bowl, Air Force taking on Louisville, and the Cardinals are a one-and-a-half-point favorite, uh, total of 59-and-a-half here. Now, 
Air Force, 6-2 and two against the spread in their last eight bowl games. They are 5-1 and one against the spread after a straight-up win, and they are 7-2 and two against the spread in their last nine overall. Now, Louisville, 4-1 against the spread as a bowl favorite, uh, which they are in this, uh, in this spot here. They are 0-3-1 against the spread, their last four against the Mountain West. I thought that was a very interesting number. Also, and now this is going back over a long period of time, Louisville 11-27-1 against the spread against winning teams. Uh, Air Force is certainly a winning team. Louisville is getting quarterback Malik Cunningham back for next year, but they lost their first and fourth leading wide receivers, Watkins and Marshall, to transfer. Uh, guys, Parker, I want to start off with you on this. Since week seven, Louisville number one in offensive explosiveness uh, rate. Air Force defense is number 57 in that metric. Uh, Air Force, the number 26 offensive rushing success rate team, and Louisville, number 84 defensive rushing success. We, we got two different things going on here. Can Air Force slow down Cunningham, and can Louisville slow down the Air Force rushing attack? Uh, what are your thoughts on it? That is definitely um, the, the 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 rub here. I mean, Air Force has been typically efficient as you'd expect. They're 24th in offensive EPA, 79th in EPA per pass, but 16th against the rush, 130th in early downs rush rate. Air Force is rushing more than anyone else in the nation. They really don't have uh, in the past with, you know, Hazik Daniels, they've at least theoretically kind of had that big play potential and kind of suck you up in the in the run game and then and then punish you over the top. It doesn't look like they're as efficient doing that this year, 107th even in, in, in passing success rate. Um, and so Louisville's defense is, uh, you know, struggles against the rush. What Chris Rodriguez was able to do against them in the in the Kentucky game where they just got pushed around. Um, I mean, that, that's definitely worrisome. I do think that uh, this is hot take. Uh, Kentucky's linemen and running backs are, are more athletic and more physical than Air Force's linemen and running backs. We've seen Air Force this year get uh, be a little bit susceptible um, to teams that, that have passed or big plays. I think Cunningham is explosive. Um, and, and I really do think that, uh, kind of two, two factors will, will stand out here. Um, one air force has been really, really good on third downs, uh, third and fourth downs, their ninth and third and fourth down success. Louisville is 34th at, at 38.5% on defense. And so again, air force has to extend drives to, to move the ball well. And Louisville's actually been a little bit better on, um, late downs than they have on early downs and the flip side, 25th and EPA per pass for, uh, Louisville, uh, only 47th in uh, offensive success rate for passing. So again, you see EPA bigger than pass. That's more explosive than efficient. I do think that even with the wide receivers out, they'll really test these Air Force cornerbacks. Air Force, 78th in EPA per rush, really bad. 50th in EPA per pass. But when there's a big split like this, you think selection. People aren't really passing against Air Force because they're able to run the ball. So I, I, I do think that Malik Cunningham has the ability to challenge Air Force on the outside. Um, and so I'm going to go with with Louisville. Um, I think it opened as a pick'em, and I actually and I and I bet that, and I like that a lot. I think I'll go again at one and a half, um, and and bet it again. So I like this number. I can understand that, uh, Kyle. Uh, like I talked about with the past game with Parker, uh, I, I like some of these just overall numbers that aren't exactly quantifiable, right? I, I like the turnovers here. Air Force number 27 in turnover margin. Louisville number 51. Penalty yards per game. Air Force number 11. Uh, Louisville number 87, those hidden yards, uh, the the different amounts of possessions that you can get based off of turnovers, et cetera, I, I think would lean towards Air Force here. Uh, I tend to like the Falcons quite a bit. Uh, net points per drive. I've brought this metric up quite a bit. Air Force is number 10 and Louisville is number 67. Now that's overall on the season, but that's a, that's a big difference between these two. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one? 
Yeah, I like Air Force in this one. Um, even counting Army's non-cover last night, service academies, I mentioned it yesterday, so I had to look up the, the specific angle. Service academies, 38 and 15 against the spread in their last 53 bowl contests. We know these guys are going to at least show up. They're going to be excited to play the game. Uh, so do they have a uh, matchup disadvantage? And this one, uh, the the key is here, uh, Louisville's rushing attack with Cunningham. Is he going to be able to beat them with his legs? Uh, he makes some of those big plays. Air Force is eighth in rushing play success rate allowed. Uh, Louisville running on 58% of their plays. I think it is fair to say that they haven't really faced too many athletes like Cunningham. So I do think Louisville will score here. In fact, I considered the over in this game, but I'm almost kind of allergic to betting service academy overs. Uh, it's just, you know, Air Force has had some high scoring games in the in the bowl games because people aren't used to seeing the triple option. But over 55 and a half is pretty high for a team like Air Force. Um, I lean to the over here, but I'm going to take Air Force. The reason being, um, I don't think Louisville can stop the run here. I think Air Force consistently runs it down their throat. Um, they're 101st in rushing play success rate allowed as Louisville and 111th at PFF and run defense. You know, uh, Air Force is going to run constantly, like Parker said. I think that they can get a lot of the four or five yard uh, runs in this game. And I'm pretty confident Air Force will take advantage of the uh, Louisville weakness in run defense. Now, the question is, Air Force's relative weakness in the secondary, can Cunningham and the Louisville offense uh, take advantage of that? I think it's possible, but I feel less sure about that than I do about Air Force taking advantage of Louisville's uh, run defense. The other thing is Air Force has a better special teams grade than does uh, Louisville. And as Gary mentioned, Air Force only 4.3 penalties per game, Louisville 6.4 penalties per game. I'm going to take Air Force in this one. I feel good about their motivation level. So uh, I'll take the plus one and a half on, on Air Force. I am going to do the exact same thing before we make it official though. Uh, we talked about the Louisville rush defense. Kentucky, in their last game of the year against Louisville, uh, ran 49 times for 362 yards against that Louisville Cardinals defense. That is 7.39 yards per attempt. But also, uh, the game before that, Louisville played against Duke, and Duke ran for 6.10 yards per attempt on Louisville. I would imagine that Air Force uh, runs wild and runs free. So let's make it official. We have got three picks on this one. And we're going to disagree a little bit. That's okay. Parker is going to ride with the Cardinals covering the one and a half. And Kyle and I are going to ride with Air Force uh, plus one and a half on this. I think, uh, and, and Kyle does as well. I, honestly, I think that the Falcons win the game. And, and if you're getting points, that's the easiest way to go about it. Let's move on to, I guess we can call this the Mike Leach Bowl. Uh, it's technically the Liberty Bowl, but it is Mississippi State, coached by one Mike Leach, taking on Texas Tech, where Mike Leach used to coach, and a school that, that apparently still owes him several million dollars. I, I don't know exactly the details there, but uh, the storyline here is very, very interesting, of course. Texas Tech is a nine-and-a-half-point underdog. So Mississippi State, the favorite, juiced at minus 115. Total sits at 59-and-a-half on this one. MSU. Five and one against the spread in their last six games. They are five and one against the spread after a spread loss, uh, and they did not cover the spread against Ole Miss at the end of their season. Texas Tech, one and five against the spread their last six against the SEC. They are 0-5 and one against the spread after a spread win, which they got at the end of the season against Baylor, and they are two and eight against the number in bowl games in their last ten. 
Now, there are multiple things going on with these two schools right now. Mississippi State uh, offensive tackle Charles Cross declared for the NFL. He has opted out. Uh, Sonny Cumbie will coach Texas Tech, even though he is now the Louisiana Tech head coach. Uh, of course, Texas Tech fired their coach. They hired in Joey McGuire. Uh, a lot of different things going on with that. Kyle, I want to start off with you here. Texas Tech defense, number 10 in Havoc rate. Mississippi State uh, is number 86 at allowing it six, uh, since week seven. But uh, you look at success rate here, Mississippi State number 14 in offensive success rate, and Texas Tech's defense number 78 in that metric. Uh, this looks like a mismatch. I think the biggest thing here is whether or not Mike Leach can get his guys fired up to face off against a team or a school that he absolutely hates. I don't know what the motivation is for Texas Tech in this game, but I know that Mike Leach has it. I just don't know if he can translate that to his players. Uh, how do you read this one? This is a fascinating game. I, you know, I've talked about some of the other games aren't great, but I, this is a really fascinating game. I want to see this one. Mike Leach has been really bad in bowl games, 5-11 and 11 ATS. Uh, but if there was ever a game that Mike, Le Mike Leach really wants badly, here's, here it is. Uh, some coaches would think, you know, it's been a decade, time to move on. Uh, Mike Leach, apparently not that guy. In fact, uh, I think all of us uh, respect uh, Brad Powers' work. And I was reading Brad Powers saying that last uh, last summer he tweeted out uh, he, he tweeted out that under Mike Leach, Texas Tech had their best decade in school history. And since he was fired, the Red Raiders have had 12 straight losing seasons in, com in, in conference. And Mike Leach retweets it. So, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's just pretty great that, you know. The level gonna, of pity. <laughs> oh, man, it's, it's amazing. But, I mean, it makes for some really good TV. And, um, you know, Texas Tech's biggest weakness as a team, they're secondary. I mean, what kind of weakness do you not want to have? When you go up against Mike Leach's team, you don't want to be bad in the secondary. Uh, Texas Tech, 104th in coverage grade at PFF. They have just 16 sacks so far this year. Mississippi State gets rid of the ball quickly. I'm not really sure what would save Texas Tech's secondary here. I mean, how are they not going to give up a bunch of yards? Um, you know, the public is absolutely going to bet Mississippi State. So if you want to fade the public, you're not going to be able to take Mississippi State. As I've said before, the public doesn't do well in bowl season. But on the one hand, uh, you know, that has been a good good thing to keep an eye on. But it's no lock or anything just to fade the public. I think it's important to point out that this is just one piece of the puzzle. You know, there's a lot that goes into a handicap. Uh, you know, some people just say, OK, well, I'll just blindly take all that. I don't recommend that. You know, th those are even those are 56 percent angles, 58 percent angles. There's so much more that goes into it than that. If it were that easy, you know, people would have just been fading the public all season all the time. Um, no chance I could bet Texas Tech in this game. I mean, guys, Sonny Cumbie is their coach, but he took the Louisiana Tech job, like Gary said. How invested is he in this game? I mean, he definitely doesn't care near as much as Mike Leach. We know that. And like Gary said, if Mike Leach can get his team to care as much as he does, this could be a beatdown. So uh, I'm going to lean Mississippi State in this one, but I'm going to pass just because the number is pretty high, but uh, pretty strong lean to Mississippi State for me. Yeah, it definitely looked like a really high number, but when you start diving into some of these uh, these mismatches here, uh, Texas Tech, you know, Parker, Texas Tech, I'm, I'm showing number 124 in defensive passing PPA uh, in Mississippi State's offense, number 44 in passing PPA. Uh, is that anywhere close to what you've got for uh, for EPA on this? Yeah, so for Mississippi State, I've got 32nd in EPA per pass. They are passing more than anyone else on early downs, only a 25.6% rush rate. Texas Tech, 119th in EPA per pass. 
um, on defense. And um, I, I honestly think that the, the guy that I'm most worried, not worried, but intrigued by in this game is actually not involved in um, the Mississippi State passing attack. I think Will Rogers is excellent. Highest adjusted completion percentage. Obviously, the air raid, you know, they're, uh, you know, quick, get the ball out, short, easy throws and, and, and make plays. Um, Dylan Johnson, Mississippi State's running back. Um, I, I believe he's playing. I might be wrong on that. But um, I think that what Texas Tech has done is their secondary has been so bad that they've had to adjust a lot to kind of cover up being spread out and exploited by teams. And then other people have had uh, rushing success against them kind of as the counterpunch there. So 83rd at EPA per rush. And Mississippi State selects their runs really, really well. They're 51st in EPA per rush and they are 14th in rushing success rate. So if you give them a light box, if you give them the opportunity, if you try and take away and drop eight, they, they can run against you. Um, and so I, I do think that there's going to be some cross wires there with Texas tech, because I do think that uh, Mike Leach very much wants to win this game. I hope he's wearing a shirt that says pay me my money in the, uh, in the post game conference. <laughs> the other thing that I will look at here, um, Don Donovan Smith, the, um, Texas Tech quarterback uh, played really well the last couple of games. Really interesting guy. I think he might actually start for them next year. He, he, uh, and uh, was was pretty interesting. What I think really lends me towards Mississippi State winning this by you know covering this nine and a hook here is that uh, Texas Tech has uh, over ten missed tackles a game, and um, uh, an overwhelming majority of those are in the secondary. And so when Mississippi State is throwing the ball to guys in space, there's going to be a lot of open field tackling that you have to make to stop this air raid. I think it can go um, kind of overboard. Mississippi State's one weakness is they are awful at field goals, right? We saw that in the in the Egg Bowl. They've, they've really left a lot of points on the board there. Um, but it's not like Texas Tech has been good at stopping uh, and finishing drives well on defense. They're 124th in points per quality possession. So it it may not even come down to to making field goals for Mississippi State. They'll probably just score touchdowns there. Um, I like Mississippi State big. I think you got motivation factor. You've got a, a style mismatch. And you've got, um, you know, I, I think a pretty high quality team. Again, the tackle being out, you can't even exploit that because Mississippi State has one of the shortest time to throw is for quarterbacks. So everything here points to, um, ironically enough, Texas Tech getting manhandled by the air raid. I I can get with that. I can get with that. I don't have a, uh, a play on it, but I would certainly lean Mississippi State. Let's make it official for Parker, though. He is going to ride the Bulldogs minus the nine and a half. Hey, it's under double digits. So that is certainly uh, in your favor for sure. So Mississippi State minus nine and a half for Parker. That takes us to the Holiday Bowl, UCLA and NC State. This is a fascinating matchup to me. Uh, and, of course, the color discrepancy is always a lot of fun. Uh, NC State, a one-and-a-half-point favorite here, total of 60. UCLA, one-and-six against the spread, their last seven against winning teams. They are five-and-two against the spread as an underdog. And NC State, five-and-oh against the spread as a bowl favorite. They are five-and-oh against the spread after a spread loss. So there are so many different things going on uh, as far as betting trends here. These two teams, number 119 and number 118 in penalty yards per game, they are tied at number 31 in turnover margin. So they don't really turn the ball over, um, but they do get a lot of penalties that kind of shows a level of aggressiveness uh, to me. This is a good UCLA offense against a good NC State defense and an average UCLA defense against an average NC State offense. Kyle, I want to start with you here. UCLA's defensive strength is against the pass. NC State's offensive strength is the pass. Um, you, you look at NC State, uh, their their big weakness is defensive explosiveness. They're number 121 in that metric in the last, uh, well, since week seven. And UCLA, only number 76, explosive offense. I, 
I don't know exactly what to make of this. This line being at one and a half, I don't see an edge on this. But, Kyle, do you see anything that you like here? Well, there's no big news on players sitting out in this game so far, but we are looking pretty far out. So I think we should give the disclaimer that this could still change, certainly when you're talking five or six days away. Um, NC State's defense is underrated by a lot of people, I think. You know, if you look at success rate, third in the country, it's uh, pretty surprising they were that good. What's the weak unit on the NC State defense? I mean, like you said, they give up a few big plays, but they have a good defensive line. They have very good linebackers and pretty good secondary as well. So uh, NC State's defense has been really solid this year. They're 20th in yards per play margin on the season. Uh, UCLA 46th. Devin Leary, who I kind of thought maybe wasn't having as good a season as I expected from him. You know, you go look at the numbers and he's 29th at PFF and passer grade. So he's been very solid. Uh, DTR's had a good year for UCLA. He did better than I thought he would. Uh, defensively, UCLA is certainly not near as good as NC State. They need to force some turnovers to, to be successful here, I think, because I think NC State will move the football. NC State only turned it over 11 times this year. So I have to lean NC State on this one. And on the total, I lean to the under. 60 is a pretty high number with NC State being involved. Um, there's a there's an angle in bowl games that I wanted to point out. A total of 54 or higher with both teams having had 50% or more of their games go over the total. So we're kind of uh, taking the regress to the mean type theory here in that you've had more overs or at least equal amount of overs, and then you bet the under in the bowl game. If the total's 54 or higher in that situation, 73 and 53 since 2005, so 58% to the under. A pretty solid angle there because uh, people say, oh, well, they've had high-scoring games throughout the course of the season, so why wouldn't this one be high-scoring? And that's why we get a total of 60. So I'm going to look at this one some more. I might be betting the under in this one, but I don't think I'll bet the side. If I had to, I would, I would bet NC State, though. I, I tend to lean that direction there. Yes, yeah, 60, uh, NC State, number 81 in total plays per game. Uh, but UCLA, you know, you know the Chip Kelly offense, number 31 in total plays per game. Uh, Parker, you know, it's a fun offensive coaching matchup between Tim Beck and Chip uh, Chip Kelly. Uh, uh, NC State's offense, not exactly efficient, I would say. They're number 92 in success rate since week seven, but they are number two in explosiveness. Uh, give me Give me your thoughts here. I, you know, I like UCLA. I like what they've been doing this year. I think NC State's just an overall better team so long as they are actually fired up for the game. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I agree with that. Uh, every every year I feel like I go through the cycle of like, man, Dave Doran's quietly doing a pretty good job. Is he going to get a job? And then being like, I have no idea where he'd go. Who would what, Where did Dave Doran go after this? But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I like Devin Leary. I think he's been pretty good, especially if you look um, – down downfield, you know, he's uh, 55% adjusted completion percent on, on 20 plus yard passes. Uh, there's been four drops too. So they've definitely left some explosiveness on the table. Um, I, I do think that UCLA is going to be a little bit more hampered than average uh, or a little bit worse than average on defense. Just, I, I do believe that all of their defensive staff has been informed that they will, will be working somewhere else next year. Um, I know there's some big turnover there. I'm not, I don't think I'm reporting news there, but I know that they are unhappy with defense and making a lot of changes. Um, they're 92nd in defensive success rate, 112th against the rush. Um, North Carolina state is, is throwing the ball around a whole lot. They're, they're rushing only on uh 47% of early downs, which is 26th in the nation. Um, but when you look at kind of the strength on strength, right, this UCLA offense is 22nd EPA per pass. NC state defense is 19th UCLA uh, rushing attack is fifth. Uh, NC State is 29th. Quality possession rate, they're both top 20. 
Uh, points per quality possession, they're both top 30. Field position, they're both top 10. Early downs, they're both top 25. Late downs, they're both top 10. Like, there is just a lot of quality on both sides. That's going to be a really fun matchup. This, Gary, would be a great game for someone to sit down and use a pen and paper, get away from your relatives, and just draw out some of UCLA's plays. You will learn so much about football, and you will think that Chip Kelly is just an absolute crazy person uh, from some of the fun stuff they do on offense. On the flip side, the one stat that I really like uh, for NC State's offense. Again, Leary's pretty good. 50th in EPA per pass. UCLA is 68th against the pass in, in EPA. So even as NC State's success rate has been bad, 84th, they will hit that uh, hit that deep shot. They've looked good against some defenses that are a lot better than UCLA this year. So um, I like NC State here um, to, to cover as a favorite. I know that it's in Southern California, and I was tempted to think of this as kind of a um, – home-ish game for UCLA. But one, I've been to Southern California once and everywhere you go is like four hours away. It's awful. So it's not like it's close. And two, they're in Petco Park. And so I think this is a debut game. I don't think that either team is, UCLA has not like been there. They're not familiar with it. They're, I don't think there's a home advantage here. So um, anything that I would try and grab onto to pick UCLA, I think I'm going in favor of NC State. So I, I like that. I like the way that you're going there. Let's make it official. Parker is riding with the Wolfpack to cover one and a half here. Uh, over UCLA. I like it. I like it. All right, let me take this moment to remind everybody, if you've not already, go ahead and like the video for us and make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. Of course, hit the notification bell. Uh, it lets you know when we go live. That's Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern time, Thursdays, 12 p.m. Eastern time. And along with that, uh, make sure and grab the podcast. I know a lot of people will be traveling over the holidays. We got an audio version. Go ahead and subscribe to the BetUS football show podcast on any of your favorite podcast apps uh, if you're on apple or i think spotify is now doing reviews whatever it is anywhere you can leave a review leave a five-star review and let us know how much you appreciate the show because we appreciate you guys uh of course jump into the q a i see mark steven uh malari uh a bunch of guys in here already uh so jump into the chat if you would so kindly we would love to hear from you if you have any questions for the end of the show now, let's dive into the late game on Tuesday, the 28th, and this is a 10.15 p.m. Eastern Time game, the Guaranteed Rate Bowl with West Virginia taking on Minnesota. Now, the Golden Gophers are a five-point favorite here. The total sits at 45, and there is uh, some interesting things going on around this bowl game. West Virginia, 3-13 and 13 against the spread in their last 16 bowls. That is absurd. Uh, they are 1-4 and four against the spread in their last five against winning teams. Minnesota 4-0 against the spread in bowl games. Uh, that's not bad. P.J. Fleck likes to get his boys fired up for this stuff. 4-1 against the spread, against, uh, excuse me, after a straight-up win, and they are 6-2 against the spread in their last eight games. Minnesota fired their offensive coordinator, even after a successful season like this one, and they brought back Kirk Soraka, who was an analyst for West Virginia this year. He was uh, the offensive coordinator at Penn State last year, was fired after only one season. But he was the uh, the guy that did up the offense for the super successful Minnesota 10-win season a couple of years ago. Uh, he was on West Virginia staff just two weeks ago. And now, of course, he's on Minnesota staff. And he won't be calling plays or anything. But I think he knows a thing or two about West Virginia, which certainly would help out Minnesota. Uh, West Virginia running back Letty Brown has opted out for the NFL draft. So he will not play in this one. Uh, these are two teams that do not run a lot of plays. Parker, I want to start with you on this. West Virginia, number 95 in total plays per game. Minnesota, number 129 out of 130. They do not run a lot of plays. Uh, you look at some of these metrics, and, and it tends to lean more 
towards Minnesota here. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's interesting, too, because they do both play relatively slow. Again, however you use that word. But West Virginia is 28th in early downs rush rate. They're, they're throwing on 47% of their early downs. Minnesota is 127th and 70, uh, 70.1. So, like, huge different styles, even as they're trying to do similar things. Minnesota's season is super weird. One, how often does your coach lose to Bowling Green and get an extension in the same year? That does not happen very often. Um <laughs> And their season's very odd. Like if you if you segment it out, a very respectable eight and two with a, a close close-ish loss to Ohio State to start the season and a close loss on the road to Iowa, and then just two absolute inexcusable stinkers against Bowling Green and uh, and Illinois. That's a technical term. Those games were in fact stinkers. And uh, I, I think that they have an identity that is we want to rush, we want to play good defense, and when they've been able to in. in you know, capitalize on that. It's been that their opponent has had unstable quarterback play. You look at the win against Wisconsin. They really ran away from Northwestern Maryland. They were able to um, disrupt uh, Talia there. So I, I think that they'll be able to get inside of Jared Daigie's head. That West Virginia line has really, you know, up and down struggled. Letty Brown is a key to them uh, succeeding on, on offense. They're 64th in EPA per rush. They're uh, 62nd in, in rushing success rate. So insofar as they have success, it's been, it's been Letty Brown kind of being, um, a really stout runner. West Virginia is terrible at finishing drives, 91st in points per quality possession, which is really the only thing that Minnesota's defense is kind of bad at. They're 75th in points per quality possession. Um, and then on third down, man, West Virginia's offense, 62nd in the nation, Minnesota's defense, ninth. Flip side, again, I'm looking at the same thing. Quality possession possession rate for Minnesota, they're 22nd on offense. They're 7th in, in echo ratio in game control uh this season so uh west virginia is 97th i think that minnesota playing slow will actually have a lot of opportunities they'll um even if they're kicking field goals if you have you know seven opportunities to your opponents too you're gonna you're gonna come out ahead there so i expect this to be slow and ugly um and i think that minnesota covers uh, minnesota very very good defense uh against a very average west virginia offense it seems like i did write down schrodinger's quarterback here so that we would be sure and mention that for jared Dagey. uh kyle you know, a lot of these, uh, I don't expect a lot of points here at all. Uh, and when you look at the total number of plays, uh, the fact that these two teams kind of lean on defense much more so than their offense, uh, this certainly reeks of an under. Uh, is that kind of the direction that you're going here? Yeah, there we go. I'm taking the under on this one. Uh, you know, it, I don't like to say these stats too much, and it's not really something we talk about, but total yards so far this year given up per game, Minnesota's fourth. The reason I do think that matters here is Minnesota is so good at keeping keeping the ball away from the opponent. 129th in tempo, really long uh, drives that take a long time. And then their defense is, is pretty good, too. So, I mean, you, you get this uh, combination of uh, time of possession and, you know, when the defense is out there, they're pretty efficient. So, um you know, the, the thing that has me concerned about laying points with Minnesota is they do have those head-scratching losses every so often. You know, Fleck in his coaching career has lost 10 games straight up as a favorite of three points or more, I believe. So, uh, you know, the Golden Gophers, though, overall had a good season. You know, you, you have to kind of block that out. And I would agree with Parker in general. I would, I would lean toward uh, taking Minnesota in this game. It, it's hard to formulate a... a thought for why you would want to bet West Virginia in this game. I mean, uh, Letty Brown, maybe not as good as some people thought he'd be this year, but he was their best offensive player 
Um, Jared Daigie, I mean, I've I've uh, talked him down several times on the show, maybe more than Parker wanted me to, I think, at times. But uh, he he's a below average quarterback, in my opinion. And when you have so much on him with Letty Brown gone, he's set up to fail in a game like this. So uh, Minnesota 18th and success rate on defense. I don't see much success from West Virginia offensively. Minnesota seventh in the nation and run blocking grade at PFF. West Virginia, uh, their weakness on defense is their secondary. They've been okay at stopping the run. I think Minnesota probably won't break a bunch of big plays, but they'll move the ball down the field, um, kick some field goals, score touchdowns, but take a bunch of time doing it. And, uh, you know, the the Shiroka thing with him being an analyst for West Virginia and then hired by Minnesota. I mean, I know they say, well, he's not calling any plays, anything, but, you know, any kind of benefit he could have to say, oh, here's what West Virginia does. I mean, it'd be pretty easy to to help out Minnesota and their defense on that one. So um, I could only look at, at betting Minnesota laying the points here, but I like under 45 on this one. I think this is one of those. Uh, you know, 24 to 13 type games where Minnesota kind of controls it and covers the spread and it stays under. I I like that one. That is two plays. So let's go ahead and make them official. Parker is going to ride Minnesota to cover the five. And Kyle likes the under 45 on this one. Uh, both of those make perfect sense. I would certainly lean both of those directions. Uh, but I am a little scared off of Minnesota and I, I bet on Houston. And yet I won't bet on Minnesota. It's just ridiculous. So. Uh, so let's move on from there. The Fenway Bowl, Virginia taking on SMU. And SMU is a two-and-a-half-point dog here. Virginia juiced at minus 115. The total sits at 71-and-a-half. We come from a game with a total of 45 to a game with a total of 71-and-a-half. This is the last hurrah for Bronco Mendenhall at UVA. The staff will remain intact through the bowl game. Um, or at least that's what was announced. And then yesterday, Broncos said that Jason Beck, the quarterback's coach, will be the OC for Virginia. I believe uh, Robert Anai is going to take the Syracuse offensive coordinator position. Uh, So Jason Beck, the quarterback coach, will be calling the plays for Virginia here. SMU 5-1 against the spread, their last six against non-conference opponents. They are 1-5 against the spread as an underdog, and they are 1-4 against the spread, their last five to close out the season. Virginia 7-2 against the spread as a favorite, and they are 5-2 against the spread in the non-conference in their last seven. Uh, Of course, we got to figure out Virginia and the opt-outs. There are a lot of guys that have hit the transfer portal, but none have said that they are going to sit out the bowl game. Sonny Dykes left SMU for TCU after the season. Uh, Obviously, that changes things at SMU. There are a whole lot of moving pieces here. Uh, Who knows? what to make from this uh, SMU wide receivers, Reggie Roberson and Donnie Gray have both opted out. Uh, Kyle, uh, let's start off with you. Since week seven, Virginia number nine in offensive uh, PPA per drive. SMU's defense is number 96 in that metric. Uh, is is the SMU offense still the same that's number 36 in offensive PPA per drive? I, I don't know. Uh, without Sonny Dykes calling the plays or without uh, – uh, Riley calling the plays, whoever was doing so. I, I don't know what to make of this SMU team. So kind of give me give me which way you're leaning on this. What, what do you think about this ballgame? Well, you know, guys, as I was making my notes for this game, um, I kind of switched back and forth multiple times for which way I would lean. I mean, I think you guys are on separate sides here, so I'm going to let you guys uh, give your stronger points on this one. But here I was last night, 2.30 in the morning, 
you know, trying to decide which side I lean with. And I'm just like, you know what? I, I don't even know who I like in this game. But uh, <laughs> uh, 66% of the bets on are on Virginia so far. I think the public will bet Virginia in this game. Um, an underdog getting 40% or less of the spread bets, 153 and 111, 58% against the spread. That'd be SMU right now. So I started to lean SMU, but uh, Roberson's really important to this offense for SMU. And then the coaching situation, not great. Virginia has eight guys in the transfer portal. Are they playing in this game? I'm, I'm not sure yet. You know, we've had some of that. They go ahead and still play. Uh, Fenway Park for this game with a really high total. Um, I think it's pretty fun that they're doing these games at Fenway Park, Yankee Stadium, that, that type of thing. Um, we're too far away from this game to have a reliable weather forecast. You, know, you guys know I would love to give a weather forecast for this one, but the long term shows a chance of light snow or drizzle and 34 degrees. Uh, snow at Fenway would be kind of fun. I'm kind of rooting for that. Uh, <laughs> 71 and a half total, guys. I cannot bet over 71 and a half with the possibility of bad weather here. So uh, Bronco Mendenhall's final game would think Virginia wants to send him off with a win. You would think their motivation level would be pretty high. Uh, Jim Levitt, a really good interim coach. Uh, you know, fun game with a lot of moving parts. I'm going to lean to the under in this one, and I feel a little bit uncomfortable saying I lean to the under with these two teams just because, you know, obviously they're great offenses and they play quickly, but 71 and a half is a lot of points for an outdoor game uh, at this time of the year in Boston. So I'm going to lean to the under, and I have no idea what to do with the side. So you guys let us know on that. Uh, Parker, you know, looking at a bunch of these numbers, like Virginia's defense is not good at all, but I, again, I don't know what to expect from the SMU offense. Uh, without Dykes and without Garrett Riley, et cetera. I, you know, the SMU rushing defense is great, but Virginia doesn't really run the ball. Like, so <laughs> the, the the mismatches are very strange in this ball game. Uh, for me, it's all about the motivation, right? It's all about Bronco Mendenhall's last game. I would fully expect that Virginia comes out and and takes care of business against an SMU team that I don't know that they are really interested in being here. Uh, without their coach, without whatever. Now, Jim Levitt, of course, master motivator. Uh, we'll see, you know, <laughs> what he's able to do here. Uh, but I certainly lean Virginia on this one. Uh, tell me tell me what your numbers say here. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I have these teams as almost mirror images of each other. Virginia is 60th in EPA uh, per play margin. They're fifth on offense, 125th on defense. SMU, 48th. They're 28th on offense and 90th on defense. If you look, I mean, SMU down the stretch, one and four, right? They... Um, but those, those losses, I mean, you got Houston, a very good defense, Cincinnati, obviously a very good defense, and Tulsa, a, a surprisingly good defense, I think an underrated defense. That Tulsa game, they were up 17 to nothing. Um, allegedly, SMU fans were booing Sonny Dykes and yelling at him on the boulevard. So there's some spite there that it might, might factor into kind of the motivation there. Remember, um, with with Danny Gray and Reggie Roberson out, that's, uh, that's almost 40% of SMU's receiving offense. And there's kind of four guys they rely on. Uh, those two, Grant Calcaterra and Rashi Rice, the next, uh, all four of them have more than 60 uh, targets. The next highest guy is Roderick Daniels has only 24. So they've really targeted those four guys. They're losing two of them. Rashi Rice is a guy who earlier the season of the TCU game had a very memorable quote about how TCU said they didn't want to recruit me or whatever. And he, you know, he had like 11 yards, but he had a touchdown in the game. And, and there's, there's definitely some, some motivation potential for some of these guys on SMU. I think there's a big chip on the shoulder. Um, I, I expect West Virginia to score a bunch on this SMU defense, but I also expect this SMU offense to score a bunch on this West or excuse me, on this Virginia uh, defense as well. If you look, I mean, SMU 11th in EPA per pass, Tanner Mordecai 
might be the best quarterback in this in this matchup. I mean, Brent Armstrong's good, but he's chaotic. I, I think you'd, you'd lean Mordecai there. Um, and, uh, and and again, really, really low rush rates, a lot of high volatility, a lot of passing. I do expect this to be a little shootout-ish, um, and I think that um, SMU will, will keep it close, if not, if not win here. Uh, one, one big thing that stands out for me, I always like to look at, like, late downs. And uh, SMU, 20th on third and fourth down success in the nation. Virginia's defense is 104th. On the flip side, Virginia's offense, 16th on third and fourth downs, but SMU is 56. So they've actually been a little bit stout there. I, I do think they'll be sufficiently annoying. Um, this one, I mean, if everyone was healthy and the coaches were there, this could potentially be one of the best bowl games in uh, of, of the uh, of the season just with these high-powered offense and no defense. It's kind of like the uh, All-Star game or the Home Run Derby or something. I do expect this to be high-scoring. 71 is a whole lot of points. Uh, for teams without their coaches. But I, I do think that the Mustangs have a little bit more of the motivation here and they have the better quarterback. Uh, and I, I think that they'll cover. I, I can understand why you would go that direction. Of course, I always like to bring up uh, these two. Turnover margin, SMU number 84, Virginia number 91. Penalty yards per game, SMU number 78, Virginia number 92. And if we do get weather like Kyle was talking about, I mean, you get snow in Fenway or, or even just cold rain with these two teams trying to throw the ball around, uh, this could be bananas. So the fact that you and I are on different sides, uh, there's no telling what can end up happening in this game. It's going to be a lot of fun. Let's make it official. Uh, Parker is going to ride SMU plus two and a half, and I will take UVA minus two and a half. And we shall see. We do not disagree very often, uh, but we are, we are doing so here. So we've already done it on two uh, with with me and Kyle taking Air Force and you taking Louisville. And now, of course, I'm taking Virginia. Uh, let's move on to the Pinstripe Bowl. We move from Fenway over to Yankee Stadium and Virginia Tech facing off against Maryland. Maryland, a three and a half point favorite total of 55 here. Ah, Virginia Tech, uh, you know, what what do we what do we make of this team? <laughs> they fired Justin Fuente. J.C. Price will remain as the interim coach right now. Uh, of course, they hired Brent Pry, the defense coordinator from Penn State. Uh, but five Virginia Tech starters have opted out for the NFL draft. Quarterback Braxton Burmeister uh, is transferring. He has opted out. Uh, their quarterback here is going to be Connor Bloomrick. And he has not started, but he is a, a junior. He is 7 of 16 on the season for 42 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, looking at some of the trends here, Virginia Tech, three and seven against the spread their last 10 games. They are one and five against the spread their last six against the non-conference and 0 and four against the spread after a straight up win. They did beat Virginia to end the season. Maryland, five and one against the spread in non-conference matchups, but they are one and seven against the spread in their last eight games overall. So a lot of conflicting betting trends here. Parker, I want to start with you first on this. Um, Maryland should have the same team that they had all year which is certainly not what Virginia Tech will have. Looking at strength of schedule, Maryland is number 15 per ESPN, Virginia Tech number 59. Uh, I, I look at this matchup, and it's Virginia Tech's secondary against the Maryland offense. Maryland likes to throw the ball around. Virginia Tech is actually pretty good against the pass. They're number 36 in uh, passing defense success rate. I, I don't know a certain – I don't know which way to lean here uh, give me your thoughts on this. Um, Maryland has not been competitive against power five teams with winning records all season. Um, I mean, yeah. you look at you look at their games. 
51 to 14 to Iowa, complete debacle, 66 to 17 against Ohio State, 34 16 Minnesota. You know, two scores to Penn State, Michigan State, huge, huge beatdown for Michigan. And yeah, they ran it up on Rutgers to get bowl eligible. But um, I, I really do think if you can just shut down the passing game and kind of know what to look for there, uh, you could do a lot of damage to this team. They're, they're 50th in offensive EPA, 43rd on the pass. And West, uh, excuse me, Virginia Tech is only 72nd in defensive EPA, but they're 39th against the pass. Uh, they've been really stout there. Most teams have been rushing to get success there. Um, Maryland does not have a rush game worth writing home about at all. And so um, I do think that this is going to come down to defense uh, and just a very slow kind of ugly game. Uh, and that's why I'm leaning towards Virginia Tech. Again, I, I, I think that uh, everyone should make their own informed choice as to, you know, narrative and um, – uh, narrative and motivation and opt-outs and how those individually affect, but we, we've got three and a half points here. So, I mean, a, a field goal loss is, um, is a, is a cover, uh, for Virginia tech. And I really just think that they're the one thing that Virginia tech has been good at this year has generally been, you can't have the explosive big play, uh, through the pass game. And that's the thing that Maryland absolutely needs. So I don't expect them to be able to do that. And, um, I expect this game to be uh, slow and ugly and close. Now, Kyle, you, we have talked about Maryland quite a few times this season. Um, <laughs> they are they are not great. I will certainly say that. They did make it to a bowl game, so that pushed on your uh, season win total. Uh, but you look at some of these other metrics that I bring up for every game. Turnovers, Maryland is number 112 in turnover margin. Virginia Tech number 44. Penalty yards, Maryland number 90. Virginia Tech is number 48. Uh, there is a sense of discipline around Virginia Tech, even – amidst the chaos that Maryland just does not seem to have with Mike Loxley at, at uh, head coach. I, do you have a, uh, a lean or a thought on this one? I mean, I want to bet against both of these teams in their current state. So I, you know, I can't bet on this game. I mean, Virginia Tech with loads of opt-outs, obviously. Burmeister, Turner, Smith on offense, three key defensive starters. Interim coach here, motivation level is kind of unknown. You know, we're, we're playing with a... An unknown. Uh, the positive is you're getting the three and a half points, like Parker said, and I do think it'll be an ugly game. I think if I were forced to make a bet here, I'd bet Virginia Tech. I'm not laying points with Michael Oxley in a bowl game. Uh, you know, it's a team I definitely prefer to fade in Maryland. Um, they do have played the much uh, tougher schedule, as Gary pointed out. Um, 52% of the bets on Virginia Tech and 88% of the money. So somebody uh, really likes Maryland in this one. Obviously, the big line move is because of the opt-outs. Um, I, you know, at this point, though, I think it's important to say, you know, some people say, well, then I have to take the sharp money side. Well, the sharp money took it at a much better price than what you're at right now. So, you know, when they took Maryland, I, I don't remember what this game was on the spread. Uh, you know, something like plus... Yeah, plus three, I believe it was. So now we've gone from plus three to three and a half the other way. Big difference there, some really key numbers. So you don't want to just look at that and say, well, then I have to bet Maryland because the sharp guys took Maryland. Well, they took them plus three or plus two or something like that. So um, opt-outs matter a lot. I really don't want any part of betting this game. Um, the early weather forecast for Yankee Stadium looks like it could be a bit windy. I think if that's the case, it helps Virginia Tech because Maryland really doesn't have a running game. Uh, they have to get those big plays in the passing game. Um, I don't even have a lean on this total. So if there were one game today, guys, that I said I don't want to bet, this would be it for me. It totally makes sense. Uh, we do have one official play on it. Parker is going to ride with Virginia Tech plus three and a half. And all of that that, uh, that we just talked about certainly leans that direction. 
whoever is catching points, uh, that's more than likely who you would end up wanting to ride with on this one because I would assume chaos in this ballgame. Last game of the day for us, it is the Cheez-It Bowl with Clemson taking on Iowa State. So we've got the Cyclones and the Tigers here. Uh, Clemson is a one-point favorite, total of 44. That is the lowest total of the day thus far. Clemson 1-6 and six against the spread non-conference. They are 10-3 and three against the spread in bowl games. 4-1 and one against the spread in their last five games. They absolutely walloped South Carolina at the end of the season. Iowa State 1-5 and five against the spread against winning teams. They are 0-5 against the spread as a neutral underdog. And they are 4-9 and nine against the spread in their last 13 non-conference matchups. Uh, Clemson offensive coordinator Tony Elliott took the Virginia job. The defensive coordinator Venables took the Oklahoma job. But Clemson decided to hire from within. And we will see exactly how that works out with uh, Streeter and that bunch. Iowa State running back Brees Hall has opted out, along with losing, uh, what is it, Big 12 uh, Defensive Player of the Year, Isheem Young. I believe it's 2020 Player of the Year, whatever it was. Uh, the cornerback King, the linebacker Horn are all out and transferring. Uh, this is not going to be the same Iowa State team that we have seen. And with Clemson, of course, Justin Ross out with injury. They got some other guys that might be sitting out. Uh, there's no official list for them. Um, this is going to be an interesting game. Uh, you look at full season net points per drive, Iowa State number 16, Clemson number 29. Since week seven, this Iowa State defense has not exactly been great. Number 86 in defensive PPA per drive, Clemson number 82 on offense. So a pretty evenly matched there. But Iowa State number 43 in offensive PPA per drive, Clemson number 17 on defense. I... There's a lot to dive into here. Kyle, let's start off with you on this. These are two teams that look vastly different than they did at the end of November. Uh, and yet, there's still like a huge talent discrepancy here. Is talent enough to overcome what I think is better coaching with, with Matt Campbell? Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, it looks like we're going to have disagreement with you guys again here, too. So I'm going to kind of sit on the sidelines. But I do have a lean in this game. Uh, both teams had a really disappointing season, if we're being fair. I mean, Clemson not in the playoffs for the first time since 2014, which shows you a lot about how good that program's been for a long time. Iowa State, a preseason top 10, and they go 7-5. and five. Pretty sure, Gary, you had the Iowa State season win total under, correct? That is correct. Yeah, that, that was a that was a good play there. I mean, because it, it seemed like the world was on Iowa State over on the season win total. <laughs> uh, Gary went against uh, uh, public perception, and it play, it worked out very nicely. Clemson without both uh, offensive and defensive coordinator uh, Venables is a huge loss for them. I mean, he's been tremendous uh, for many years. I would think we'll hear of Clemson players opting out in coming days. We haven't really heard of that yet, but probably will be some. Matt Campbell, three and four against the spread in bowl games. Uh, Dabo Sweeney, 11 and six against the spread in bowl games. It really surprises me to see Iowa State uh, having been so bad against the rush this year. I would have thought their run defense would be far better than this. 71st in the nation in rushing play success rate allowed. Clemson's been running the ball pretty good lately at the end of the season. And I, I think Clemson has kind of been rounding into form late in the season while Iowa State, very disappointing. Uh, really key guys sitting out here for Iowa State. So I'm going to lean Clemson in this game. Uh, and as far as the total, the total's low for a good reason. But this low of a total, 44, I have to lean to the over. Bold totals that have been this low have been good for overs in the past. Um, Iowa State's defense, too, they're, uh, 
you know, they haven't been what they were built up to be earlier in the season. Their, their defense is okay, but it's not really good. Uh, Clemson's defense, certainly good. Uh, I think 44 is a little bit too low for me uh, for this total, and I'm going to lean Clemson in this game. I tend to lean the same direction. Parker, uh, my question for you on this, uh, is Brent Venables taking his sign stealers with him to Norman? Are they already there? <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the the delegate has no comment on whether or whether or not Brent Venables may or may not have stolen signs at any given uh, any given time. Um, this game is interesting to me because it puts uh, it does it's one game so really it doesn't matter but it does kind of put together some some theories of mine that I think are very interesting. Um, one uh, I I mean I at the college level running back uh, the position of running back is often largely dictated by scheme and usage obviously individual talent you have to have kind of a minimum level. Um, but if you go look at Brees Hall's runs, um, obviously Brees Hall is better athlete than I am. Obviously, I would be a terrible college running back. Man, he has a lot of touchdowns that any one of the three of us probably could have scored. Like, uh, he just has a lot where they just like, man, they just found the gap and like nobody's touching anybody on that play. So um, Jarrell Brock is a four-star athlete who's his backup. He's been good in limited time. I think he's averaging about 5.8 yards per carry and, you know, 25, 26 carries this year. So there's not as huge of a drop-off because it's not like they're losing all of their linemen or their run game or anything. They've got their quarterback. They've got um, Brock to fill in there, too, is a really athletic guy. The the two keys for me are, are, are kind of um, on both sides of the ball. One, has Clemson seen an athlete – like Charlie Kolar, um, the tight end for Iowa State, uh, in that position all season. And I, I, I don't think that they have, even against Georgia, um, name totally escaped me. Brock Bowers, is that the guy? Yeah, um, yeah the freshman tight end. Yeah. Wasn't in his final form uh, to start the season, is, is what I'll say. So, like, they haven't really been tested with that. That's kind of a an interesting, unique wrinkle. Um, on the flip side, I think that this Iowa State defensive line is just as disruptive as anyone that Clemson has seen, maybe including Georgia. Will McDonald is, is an absolute freak. 41 total pressures um, uh, and really, really disruptive there. And so I think that if you factor in um, kind of, you know, the, the drop-off in the run game won't be as much. Iowa State has an offensive wrinkle that Clemson has not seen. And I, I do think that Clemson is a little bit struggling in terms of motivation. Like, I think that maybe they um, kind of have, have done what they're going to do this season and said, you know what, we salvaged it, that's okay. I, I really do think that Matt Campbell is a little bit more Fleckian as of late, uh, as in P.J. Fleck, kind of rah-rah, getting his guys up for something. This means a lot more to them. Um, and so those those three things combined, uh, I mean, my, my model, just raw numbers if everybody was playing, on a neutral field has this almost 27, 23 Iowa state. So um, I'm going to, I'm going to trust that and say that even though um, there are a couple opt outs, I, I think that they're only going to work in Iowa state's favor. I can see where you're coming from on that. I am going to go the opposite side. I like Clemson here. I look for this to be a rallying point for them towards the 2022 season. Now I don't know how the new coordinator hires are going to work out, but I do know that Dabo Sweeney, is ridiculous when it comes to motivating his guys, right? And he's always been like that. Uh, towards the end of the season, they really started picking things up. Their rushing game really got rolling. 54 attempts for 333 yards against Wake Forest, and they ran 43 times for 265 yards against South Carolina. I think they will be able to do the same thing against Iowa State. The talent discrepancy here uh, is ridiculous. Clemson number four in team total uh, talent, total team talent over at 247. And Iowa State number 57. Uh, and if we look at this line, the fact that it is only a one-point spread here, I think that Dabo can can play the 
you know, nobody believes in you card that he's so good at. So that's the direction that I'm going to go on this. Uh, but Parker and I will go opposite again for the third time today. This is going to be a lot of fun. I, I can't wait until next week to see exactly what, what we end up doing here. But uh, but let's make it official. Parker likes the Cyclones plus one, and I am going to ride with the Tigers minus one, and that is going to be an interesting ball game. I will certainly tell you that. Certainly tell you that. All right. I uh, don't see any questions in the, the chat today, uh, but I do want to tell everybody, uh, Malari and Steven and Mark, etc. Uh, hopefully I don't leave too many people out if I do, uh, but we certainly appreciate you guys. It is getting towards the end of the season. It is happy Festivus, of course, so we certainly appreciate all of you guys for being here, for jumping in. If you catch the show not live, if you watch it later, jump into the comments. We will be checking those, and we will certainly... Uh, be responding to them throughout the holiday season. So jump in to the comments, and we would like to hear your picks on the games or just your thoughts on the show, period. We'd love to hear that. All right, let's jump into the recap, and we will go over the picks of the day. Parker, let's start off with you. You got a, you got a slew of them today. Let's do this. I like Houston as an underdog against um, uh, an Auburn team that might not have as much motivation. Louisville, Mississippi State, and NC State and Minnesota are favorites that that I like. Uh, SMU to keep it close. Virginia Tech and Iowa State. So some um, some nice splits between between dogs and favorites here in my picks this uh, this week. Yeah, four favorites, four dogs. It's not bad. Not bad. All right, I have got four picks that I like, and I am doing the same thing. Uh, two favorites, two dogs. I like Houston to cover the two and a half against Auburn. I think they win the game outright. I like Air Force against Louisville. I think they win the game outright there. I do like Virginia with Bronco Mendenhall's last ride there. So Virginia to cover the two and a half against SMU. And I like Clemson to cover the one against Iowa State. Kyle, what you got for us today? I'm going to take Air Force uh, plus one and a half. And I'll also take West Virginia and Minnesota under 45. That makes sense. All right, so let's uh, let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. Let me remind everybody, go ahead and like the video for us, if you would so kindly. Make sure that you are subscribed to the show and hit that notification bell. It's going to let you know when we go live each and every week, Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, Thursdays at 12 p.m. Eastern Time. Go ahead and make sure you are subscribed. We will be back again next week. We got playoff games to hit. We got all kinds of New Year's Day, New Year's Eve, et cetera, the Rose Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, et cetera. We got a lot of games left to discuss. So make sure that you are back with us again next week. If you have not already, subscribe to the podcast. Leave a nice five-star review at whatever your favorite podcast app is. Uh, that is the BetUS Football Show. It's the NFL feed and our show as well. So while you're traveling, you can listen to the audio version. Uh, play it for your kids, all that good stuff. We, we try and keep it family-friendly around here. Uh, along with that, make sure that you sign up over at BetUS.com. Incredible sports book. It is where the game begins. Head on over there, betus.com. With that said, we're going to go ahead and let you guys get out of here. We hope you all have happy holidays, uh, happy Festivus, all that good stuff, and uh, and take care of yourself. That's that's the most important thing. Take care of yourself and your family. So, for BetUS, we will see you all again next Wednesday.